0: Our institution has moved beyond the idea that one course does it all.
1: Hi, I'm Allison Pease, Associate Provost for Institutional Effectiveness. Last year, as part of our 2025 strategic plan, we at John Jay committed it to creating a shared framework by the faculty It informs a culturally affirming and inclusive curriculum and pedagogy. Dean of Undergraduate Studies Dara Byrne and I were already set this year to begin talking with faculty about their vision for this framework and to discuss how our curriculum can continue to serve our mission and the students who come to us aspiring to careers in criminal justice and law enforcement. Further, we wanted to see how our curriculum and the ways we teach can live up to the college's values of diversity, equity, integrity, justice, learning and scholarship, and respect, specifically in the context of a Hispanic and minority-serving institution. And then the spring and summer 2020 hit us all with a series of events that reminded us again of how unjust our society can be. The COVID-19 pandemic, the police shooting of Breonna Taylor, the police murder of George Floyd for eight minutes in front of our eyes, and the viral video of white woman Amy Cooper calling the police on an innocent black man birding in Central Park when he asked her to comply with the law. This was a harrowing display of how easy it is to weaponize white supremacy and the use of the police as the tools of its enforcement. These profound inequities and the indignities are not new, but the rapid fire and continuous succession of them has made more obvious the urgency with which we must change. What Dara and I had seen as a longer-term project is now an urgent necessity. And we are not alone in feeling this. Students have called for curricular change, faculty have called for curricular change, and many have committed to doing this work, both for themselves and for their students. So Dara and I will be gathering faculty together this year to create a shared framework are culturally affirming, inclusive, and because we need to identify it if we're going to combat it, an anti-racist curriculum. If you were at the September 11th UCAsk meeting, you were lucky because you heard Dean Byrne speak eloquently and at length about what this moment means to her and why we need curricular change. If you weren't there, you will find in this podcast Dara and me talking about some of those ideas. In this podcast, we talk about why there's a need for a framework for the curriculum and what next steps are for those who want to be involved. A quick note about the music in this podcast. Each of the songs that you'll hear was recorded by Alan Lomax in 1939 at the Parchman Farm, the Mississippi State Penitentiary that was originally run as a convict leasing plantation for black prisoners who were frequently imprisoned on fabricated or embellished charges in order to provide free labor for the state. The music here is a reminder of the ways that our criminal justice system is never value neutral but is layered by inequities. The music is also here, however, as a reminder of the beauty of the spirit of the men we hear singing, of their creativity and inventiveness and wise humor in the face of indignity. Hi, Dara. Hi, Allison. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. So the curriculum is the institution. Uh, We started last summer talking about curriculum at a moment of um, incredible fervor, right? Um, Everybody was saying, we've got to do something, we have to do something now. And we had this amazing event where we brought together 83 faculty, And we talked about this notion that the curriculum is what students get from our institution and what they take with them. And that if students are looking for
0: change, we have to change our curriculum. Yeah, you know, I want to begin by just reflecting a little bit on what the summer experience meant to me uh, both personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, it is incredibly interesting being in the particular role that I'm in in the with the particular life experiences that I've had. Um, no one wants to wake up one day and realize that the place that they've worked for 17, 18 years is. An unfriendly and harmful place to them or their community, and I was pre- very uh, heartened by the fact that when the unrest and just the the overall just um, horror of um, from George Floyd and begin- and forward um, occurred that many, many people in the John Jay community responded immediately. Several people actually reached out to me directly and personally, which I appreciate, but also the questions around what do we do for our students? What do we do for each other? And this sense of urgency, this really, um, I've not seen anything like this. And I have been Um, connected to higher education since um, Rodney King, quite frankly, I have not seen anything quite like this where people were really gripped and really um, searching for what to do next. And I want to start there because many people work at institutions where they have woken up and realized that this is not a place for them and it's not a place for change. I truly do not believe that that is the context for John Jay. We have so many people that are already asking bold and brave questions, but also doing the work and asking how they can join the work. And so that 83, um, that number 83, which I will not forget, 83 people (laughs) showing up. was something that i held on to 83 people came on on a holiday yes. to talk, to share um and to reflect uh and from there when we sent out an email um opening up our little reading group on the condemnation of blackness, Um, we had about 30 people show up that first day um, with their readings in hand to discuss uh, a really uh, critical work in terms of the work that we do. And it has continued. Um, And so right now, what we get to do is connect the faculty leadership and interest and commitment with the incredible leadership on the part of our students who from minute one asked the question to us about how we can make their experience, their learning, their foundation better. it is a tremendous honor to be in this role and to serve a student body that is asking for more out of their education.
1: The Black Student Union has been so impressive. They've been working one on one with every department chair, members of the department. Um, And I was heartened too, to see all of the chairs and departments respond to the Black Student Union. There was a a letter on behalf of all of the chairs, and then, of course, many of the departments have responded personally to the Black Students' Union, saying, we agree. Now is the time. We have to make these changes. We commit to making these changes. It seems to me that there is a groundswell of acknowledgement of persistent injustice, anti-Black racism, and that we are an institution that must make a change. And I'm not saying that as Alison P's Associate Provost for Institutional Effectiveness. I'm saying that as a community member who's been here for 22 years and I've
0: never seen anything like it, Dara. I have waited my lifetime for this. I've been in schools where I was the only one or one of 10, one of five, where uh, writing to people or talking about what you're experiencing, you um, are either silenced or dismissed or or, um, just outright told that what you saw was incorrect or what you're experiencing is incorrect, Um, meant to feel like there is some... um, a sense of gratitude about being allowed to be in an institution. So, and, you know, I, I went to school in the 90s, so it isn't, it isn't like I'm talking about a, a, an experience from the 40s and 50s. And so to see our young people being like SNCC, like Freedom Riders, doing those kinds of things and bravely putting themselves out there and demanding change, but also um, working with our faculty leadership and our administrative leadership on collaborative change is truly extraordinary and exciting and inspiring and I think uh The community is responding so beautifully to this idea because, you know, as you know, Allison, we are a CUNY that really practices shared governance and to see the BSU model, all of their own design, be one that is collaborative in practice and affirmative of uh, student voices is really where we need to be. And I, I'm, I'm quite proud that they're at John Jay because this is what, in my mind, it means when we say we prepare fierce advocates for justice and equip them to build and sustain just societies.
1: You were talking about being the only one and being grateful or supposed to be grateful to be allowed to be in institutions. And I want to say from my perspective as a white woman who was raised in a predominantly white neighborhood, went to predominantly white schools, and um, my graduate program was all white. Um, you know, I am somebody who has very slowly over the evolution of my many years at John Jay come to recognize, to study um, Black history, Latinx history, um, and to understand in, in many of the ways in which, in fact, I as a white person have been incredibly limited in my perspective, Mm -hmm. right? I think of Du Bois' concept of double consciousness here where you were understanding your experience at the same time you were forced to understand the white majority experience. Whereas I as a white person just experienced the white majority experience without having to have empathy for or stand in the shoes of another. And I think now of uh, this question of you know how are we going to change our society, and I think it's a question of literacy and fluency, and that where uh, minority subjects of color have had to become fluent in two languages, the dominant language and then their own experience, white folks have not. And that for white folks, it's really a matter of coming to speak more than one language coming to understand more than one viewpoint. And when it comes to us teaching, it's about not teaching the the way that we were taught, mm-hmm. but that teaching from multiple perspectives and understanding that there's always more than one story.
0: Yes. I would also add that there is a third perspective to remember. As you know, Alison, I frequently point out that much of what we might be discussing or describing is specifically American or white American or uh, the black experience within America, I think it is crucial that our students and our faculty and staff um, remember that we are in a... an American empire and the experiences of living within that. Uh, and I say that because our students are primarily um, first in their family. We have a lot of cultures and countries represented. So they are multi cultural and multilingual and multi-perspective, multiple perspectives uh, of how these forces and factors are playing out in their lives. As an immigrant myself, I see what um, is happening within the country in a different way, and our curriculum is a perfect place, especially as we talk about justice, of helping students to also interpret and better understand America in relation to America in context, globalization, global forces, white supremacy across the globe. Um, because there's some things about the experiences that our students describe that are specifically uh, American versions and others that are not. And that uh, triple consciousness mm-hmm. is crucial for success in the 21st century. And what I mean by that is our students are moving into an even more connected world. And that will mean encounters with ideas of blackness, uh, latinx whiteness, and so on that are not just playing out in the American context. And we really have to support that in the curriculum and in their learning experiences outside of the classroom as well.
1: Absolutely. This is an essential 21st century skill. There will be no racial or ethnic majority, right? You have to be um, able, willing, and have facility in understanding multiple perspectives and understanding multiple experiences nationally, internationally, globally, empire, colonized.
0: often hear of folks uh, drawing on the work that's taking place at predominantly white institutions, talking mm-hmm. about the ideas that are coming out of Harvard and Princeton and Yale and so on. And while that's great, um, these aren't necessarily good touch points for a minority-serving institution. There are wonderful initiatives, both in terms of curriculum and teaching practices and other kinds of opportunities that are coming out of institutions that are much um, more steeped in this work than the other institutions that I mentioned. We should be looking at University of Houston. We should be looking at Howard University. We should even be looking at Lehman College right up the street. Because we, we really should, because as an HSI, Lehman's outcomes and their curricular developments are, are, are quite different from our own, and we have a lot to learn from them as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think we should really establish what the, the benchmarks are and draw from institutions that are knocking it out the park. That would be one place to start. The second place that I think is important is to really look at what our curriculum means overall. So I know many people are asking, uh, what is it that I think about having a required course and um, what might be in a required course? And I'm going to give you both the Deanly reply as well as the... (laughs) Dara reply on that. You know we are recording this, right? I do. uh, (laughs) And I want you to record this and share it because it's no longer possible when talking about these kinds of issues to separate Dara and the dean. Uh, In the way that you can on other things, because this is personal to me. The uh, preparation of these students to go out there in the world knowledgeable about the things that have shaped and impacted my community is personal. And I'm in this as a professional trying to serve an institution that genuinely is saying that they want to do this. Um, I have never been in this spot in my life before, and who knows if I ever will again. So I really mean it when I say I'm giving it everything that I have. That's Dean Byrne and Dara Byrne are both at the table trying to figure out how change really happens in a way that we can all be proud of. And Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever served John Jay in the way that I'm serving right now because I never had to. Nobody ever really um, uh, presented me with this united context of how to include where you come from and what your community has experienced into the framework of the curriculum.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so that... Is uh well and it's not just you, Dara. I mean, it's our students' experiences.
1: Exactly. I'm glad it's yours and that this is gratifying, but this is our students'
0: experience. Absolutely. And And that will change their education and and, their and and you should know that that is um an important part of what it means to for me to talk black. When I say me, I'm really talking about me and all of them. And Uh, because I am in a minority-serving context, mm-hmm. and that is an ex- again an extraordinary moment that I've not been in before as a professional and just as a um, as a black woman making her way in this world, mm-hmm. and so I I look at the curriculum as not. Um, a place to add a required course, but to really look at what knowledge is we are scaffolding across the curriculum. Mm. We would not expect a student with one math class to be able to, let's say algebra, to be able to go out there into the world and navigate as a professional doing all kinds of algebraic things. I over like this and over metaphor. Yeah, I like this metaphor. I get it. It is not possible. And yet we think that we can add one class on systemic racism, one class on anti-Black racism and think that that equips Black students, Latinx students, White students, Asian students, South Asian students, Middle Eastern students to go out there and build and sustain just societies. No, it is not possible. But what we can do is really take stock of the knowledge that we are putting forward in our curriculum, how it scaffolds from the 100 through the 400 level. And how that prepares students to be anti-racist in the world, all students. How it prepares students to not just call out injustice, but to collaborate, just as we see our BSU leaders doing, collaborate with other stakeholders who have different positions than their own Mm -hmm. to make change possible. Does our curriculum do that? Some of it. Does all of it? Absolutely not. It is entirely possible in our schedule for students to avoid, for students to um, enroll in classes without knowing where the content is that might be the stuff that better equips them to do what they came to John Jay to do. And I think we can fix that by really getting into... Uh, a closer understanding of what our students want, what they really want, are interested in, in understanding. As you know, we've done a survey, thanks to the fabulous folks in undergraduate studies, who asked our freshmen, what are your areas of interest? And the... 975 students, almost, what, 70% of our freshman class overwhelmingly responded with areas like criminal justice reform, uh, inequities in society, and um, what the third one was uh, civil rights. And yet, when I look at our course schedule, I could not point our freshmen to the three or four courses that they are eligible to take that speak to these topics. Where's the
1: course on criminal justice reform at the freshman seminar? Where's the course on civil rights as a first year seminar?
0: Where are the courses in the learning from the past bucket area at the 100 and 200 level that do this? And so, when we think about the 42 credits in general education alone that we all own, how could students develop a cognate interest in civil rights, a cognate interest in uh, systemic racism, or a cognate interest in immigration? moving in and through our general education? That's an important question to ask because these are the required courses. So we don't actually have to add a course. What we have to add is a scaffolding of courses that allows the majority of our students to build up the interests that they already have. Yeah. One course can't do it, but we do have four courses that students are required to take in the Justice Corps, the college option, yeah, that uh, is a perfect place to really think more deeply about how we scaffold and how we equip students to act on the issues that they already are interested in. And I keep saying this because it's important for us to understand that we're not developing the interest in the students that we serve. They came to us with these interests. But I wonder if we're dropping the ball in being able to turn those interests into um, skills that they have to carry them into their postgraduate careers.
1: I'm excited about curricular change. I'm excited that there are so many faculty who are committed to this, but the governance process for getting curriculum through is a long and arduous one, and, and appropriately so. I think the vetting process can be incredibly instructive because it allows other voices um, that often catch things that you wouldn't put in, right? I, I, I like our process, but I know it takes time. And I feel a sense of urgency I feel that the students are asking for it. I feel that faculty have committed, and I feel that we need to really
0: move on this curriculum. We are still uh, having conversations all around the college about the need for change, and it's important that people everywhere at the institution understands that there is no change to curriculum as particularly sustainable change to curriculum that will not pass through our shared governance process. It has to. We expect it and it is the right thing to do because we want on the record, what it is that we believe in our learning goals and what it is we are striving to. As you um, like to remind us, Allison, which I think is important, if it's not a goal, we can't really measure it. And mm-hmm. it, so, and if we're, if it doesn't have a goal um, that isn't in our curriculum, then I won't be able to speak to or ask my um, colleagues and my team to work on things to make our curriculum better and to support students in their achievement of whatever those goals might be. So this is a- We need to change our goals. I, I don't know yet because that's the part that we need faculty leadership on. But it has to, if we're talking about urgent change, it still has to go through governance because we are a school and our school reports things to New York State that goes on the record as what we are about. And so um, I am going to be... Uh, reaching out to a number of bodies around the college that I work with, particularly the Undergraduate Curriculum and Academic Standards Committee, um, UCAS, as well as the, the Council of Major and Minor Coordinators and Advisors. Of course, our wonderful chairs that are already leading in this area to really get an understanding of what it is people are planning to do this year. Things have to go through governance this year if it is going to impact next year's cohort of students. And so you can imagine that urgent change is really talking about a year from now. But yeah. the time moves quickly. It takes time to build a syllabus. It takes time for it to move through our process, not as, not as taxing as you might think, but we do have um, possibilities of bottlenecks. And so I need to understand what people are working on, what they're really trying to do, and by when, so that I can make sure that they make it through the pipeline. Quite frankly, we need things to be approved by May, college council in order to make it into the following year's bulletin. And what that means, realistically, is that we need things to be at UCAS in December at the latest so that they can start making their way to college council for February and March at the latest. You're telling me that you think faculty will have created new courses by the end of this semester. Yes, and I'll tell you why. John Jay's faculty is extraordinary in their understanding of these issues in their own research and their understanding of these issues in the literature out there, who the scholars are that are shaping these topics and more. I I, want to be clear about this. We don't have massive deficits of people who... um, don't care about these topics, what we are missing is the reflection of them across the curriculum. So when you're looking at building a course schedule of 10 classes a year, what does that look like for students? What does that equip them to do and see and participate in? And so I do believe that we have the ability to get Several courses through the governance process this year. In fact, I commit to it. Um, but that in and of itself isn't going to be sufficient when I hear people talking about curricular reform. Alberta. we should take a look at our learning goals. I don't know if the goals need to be changed. That is not my call, believe it or not. It is not my call to say that they should, but rather it is likely our call Allison and I to bring people together to take a look at it and see what it is they think about what we what we said and did many moons ago when these goals were created and I would like to think that there's an opportunity for us to do something that is similar to what was done for the strategic plan Mm-hmm. Um, have the conversations college wide invite opportunities for for everyone to weigh in share what 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 that discussion looked like as it relates to the the change process and the documents and the goals and things like that and then move forward with um, making those changes again I I want to be sure that everyone understands that in our process, a shared governance process, opportunities for everyone to weigh in is, is crucial to the success of this. Because we all own the curriculum together. Okay. And so the question here is not what, what is the administration going to do, but rather how do we all, faculty, students, and staff, Work together to sustain what we said we wanted to have happen with our curriculum. And that is very different from asking, what is the response going to be? Yep, it is.
1: And it's a long process. But I'm committed to it, Dara. I'm excited to sit with faculty, to talk about our learning goals, to talk about what we want to be. It wasn't that long ago, and yet in some ways it was long ago that we all sat together and said, okay, we've got to recreate an entire general education pathways. And we created hundreds of courses and moved them through. And just before that, John Jay had gone through another revolution. We suddenly allowed liberal arts majors and everybody was writing major after major. I myself have written probably over 50 courses at the college. I think probably all of those courses are outdated and it's time to update them. Right? You know, this is just part of the process of an institution that lives over time. We have to evolve, and we have to evolve with our times. And we're in this wonderful inflection point. When we know change is needed, we want change to happen. And now we just get to be part of the process and and helping it along.
0: Yes. And, And hopefully to also put on the record that we are part of a community that is stepping forward to say, what's next? What do we do? How do I join? How do I participate? Which is very different from the experiences that some of my colleagues are having at other institutions around the, this country and other countries where they have no one to reach to who will mm. join them in this work. That is not the John Jay story. However, the time is now to start putting, you know, fingers to the keyboard and hitting uh, join a meeting now for those Zoom conversations that turn <laughs> this into the actual um, change that John Jay works off of. And that means um, college governance. It has to go through. The process, and so I'm excited to see how we turn this from the discussion about it and the the dreaming about it and the excitement about it into those um, those plans that turn into curriculum that turn into uh, conversations that hopefully in the coming months I get to stand in front of college council proudly talking about the work that our faculty has done and talk about what that means to put out there a different vision of what a student will learn in a course, one that is inclusive of them, one that is affirming of justice in its many dimensions, but also offers students the opportunity to see... um, how some of these issues play out as uh resistance, not just uh, victim or victimizer, but uh, alternatives to um, opportunities for thinking about reform in the curriculum that is happening. I just don't know how uh, whether we have done enough to um bring it forward in the way that we are all on the same page discussing. And that's the conversation that I want to see happen and that I get to bring forward in college governance this year.
1: So, You and I are excited. We've shared that. We know the faculty are excited. So let's talk about next steps. Let's talk about how we can bring everybody together and start to do some of this work.
0: Well, we know that our faculty are already at work on a number of priorities, and initiatives in their departments. And so it's important at this stage to kind of capture what is taking place, especially as it relates to making through making things through the governance process so change can actually uh, take hold by this time next year. And so I would like to send out... Uh, a a call, if you will, so that people can let us know what they're interested in, what they're working on, and we can understand better what their timeline for doing this looks like. I would also say that we should offer some open conversations around the kinds of change opportunities that I hear folks talking about, such as new courses, looking at learning goals, revising Um, existing courses or the course revisions, uh, uh, the course revision, the description, the revisions of the descriptions, as you just mentioned. And so um, there might be those and other areas. And so capturing what's taking place and by when, is a critical next step and as well as really thinking about how our administrative units can support faculty in getting all of this done as we know when we did reform work with general education via pathways, and even before that with bringing in our liberal arts majors, these kinds of projects require a lot of coordination, a lot of communication back and forth with uh, faculty departments, thinking about the course scheduling, and so on. So it's an intricate process and operation but if we start now i truly believe we can make this happen by the last college council of the year in may so this is an invitation
1: please fill out the survey let us know what you're working on what you're interested in working on and we'll bring groups of faculty together to talk about how we go about it and to learn from one another
0: I'm right ready I'm You want to work hard? Yes, sir. Get hit it, boys. Oh, I'm move out. I'll Whoa. <laughs> Burn the morning